Hey, happy Monday, everyone, and welcome to the I-5 Corridors Traffic Report. Tyson Alger here, joined by Shane Hoffman. We have week four of the college football season in the books. A pretty fun weekend. Uh, Shane, I'm the one who had a wedding to go to Saturday night and was out way too late for my 32-year-old, but uh, you seem groggier than I do this morning. How are you doing this, man? This morning, man. Doing all right. It's been it's been busy traveling back, moving into my new place, getting ready for everything. But um, I had a blast on Saturday. It's my first time up in uh, Corvallis, either covering game or just being there for a game. Wait, you you um, you never you've never been to Corvallis before? I've been to Corvallis, but not for a game. And it was I got there a little bit late. They have this like mock press box right now where it's basically just like a uh, trailer essentially that they've renovated to have people sit in and they play the music at the stadium so damn loud that everything just vibrates. Through the, it, it was the most interesting press box experience I've ever had to this point, at least. Um, but the atmosphere of the game was just phenomenal. Uh, shout out to Oregon State who uh, got Shane credentialed. I, I had left a uh, an email on drafts uh, like two weeks ago. And so uh, we were able to get credentialed for that game. I really liked your story. Uh, my biggest concern was legitimately the bride and groom were just about to walk down the, the, the aisle when you texted me, what do I do about parking? Uh, <laughs> and I was just like, uh, you'll, what did you end up doing? Did you find the lot? Well, I, I mean, I got into town. I texted the SID. He told me to text the other SID. This guy <laughs> ran out of parking paths to me outside oh the, the basketball arena. I was like, in I was in traffic, just like not moving for probably 45 minutes. So I, I like, because I like to get there early. I would have liked to yeah. get there like an hour before. Anyways, I end up walking laps around the stadium trying to find the Will Call, and then they direct me to another place. And I finally get in. It was like, 625 and the kickoff was at 630 but you know it was fine I, I sat down i knew a few people in the press box started chopping up a little bit um but it was it was a pretty funny experience i uh i i still can't believe um you know and this was kind of the 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 nuts and bolts of your article but the fact that oregon state limited usc to 17 points and lost like i i thought i was uh, I thought I was seeing things on my phone when I was uh, following along there. Um, even here, like a few days later, like I, you know, I, I think a little bit of my attitude towards it is gone towards like disappointment to like, hey, Oregon State really hung with the number seven team in the country, but like, shit, that was that was a winnable game for them if maybe he just throws two picks, right? Oh yeah, or three. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it was just the fourth was the backbreaker, you know? Um, no, it was wild because. You know, Caleb Williams started a little slow. I think he started like one for three. Then it was one for five. Then it was like, I want to say like one for nine, even at one point. And I was like, all right, this is not going to continue. Even even when he was missing throws, he was just just kind of navigating his way through the pocket and escaping for first downs and extending plays. And I'm like, all right, you know, they're starting slow. They'll pick it up. And then the clock just kept ticking and kept ticking. And before you knew it, it was a 7-3 game at halftime. I mean, the, the Oregon State secondary – played out of their minds i mean they he missed some throws and there was a few drops but it was mostly just like coverage everywhere just like lockdown and and like finally that we finally do the you write about one thing during the week and then it happens on on i mean writing about oregon state's defense before the usc game was a bit of a risk there shane i thought i thought maybe you learned that one with like the dante thornton piece uh, back in august before anything oh yeah i mean in <laughs> retrospect that was the riskiest part of it i mean 
but it ended up paying off. And even Oladapo, who was the center of that, had like a huge sack when they were like, they yeah. couldn't bring him down. They kept getting pressure on him over and over again. Like it seemed like a few drives in the second half. It was like, seriously, every time he dropped back, he was had like rushes in his face. Um, and Oladapo finally got him. And I was like, oh, that could be the moment. But yeah, they just got him. I mean, he, he, he had a, he had a crazy scramble on that last drive. And then he had a really nice dime to Jordan Addison for uh, the eventual game winner. And then there was plenty of time for Oregon State. And then this is what would happen with Nolan the whole night is he was kind of swinging for the fences. Uh, I think three of his picks were when he just tried to force it across the middle or, or a deep ball where there wasn't a step with the receiver. And it killed momentum three or four different times. Um, I'm I'm shocked it was as close as it was. It's a really demoralizing loss for an Oregon State team that I think is, is pretty talented. But I just don't know if – I just don't know how far they can get with Nolan, honestly. Yeah, it – it kind of uh, he kind of reminds me of like bad Bo Nix, like when you know, like when we saw that against Georgia too. It's just like, uh, you know, he he starts putting together some decent drives and plays, and then all of a sudden it's just like, oh my god, like like he takes that like that random shot and it's yeah. a really bad decision. Um, and meanwhile, like for the last three weeks, we've seen excellent Bo Nix. I mean, uh, Oregon's offense is back to putting up six hundred yards of total offense, like like it's no nobody's business. Uh, Nick's completed like 80% of his passes for 400 some yards. Um, Oregon's offense is, I I know we were all really down after the Georgia game, but again, the further we get away from, from Atlanta, I think we learned that Georgia is just kind of a bit of a a college football freak. And uh, this, this Oregon offense is, is really humming, which honestly is, is, has impressed me after some of the talk that they had in the spring and the summer about like Chip Kelly, when, you know, we're bringing back the fun, but like they've actually kind of walked that talk so far. Yeah, no, hundred percent. You know, it's, it's frustrating. We didn't have anyone at that game or didn't have anyone we could immediately like throw on that game, obviously, but we got something out this morning. And I mean, the thing for me, you're right. It's the offense, like the defense we thought was going to be the strength of this team. And it's clearly not. I mean, the defense is, especially the pass defense is still really rough and it's probably going to come back to bite them again this season. The pass rush is kind of shaky. Some of the cornerback plays, eh. um, but that offense is 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 scary. And the thing that's most scary about it, and I think that actually scares me about USC. If I'm a USC fan, is that Oregon's offensive line is so damn good. They haven't yeah. given up a sack in four games, and they've played now two solid defenses in BYU and in Washington State. Um, they're the only team in the nation that hasn't given up a sack, and you know part of that's Bo Nix being mobile. Um, but you know that was the problem in that the USC game, I got, you know, worried for USC is that offensive line looked really shaky. And that was what we were talking about coming into the season, but Oregon's is completely opposite. Um, they played great. You know, that Bonex interception was, <laughs> yeah. as soon as I saw it, I was just, it was just face palm. I was like, Oh yeah. my God. Um, but to be able to shake off those, those, um, that fa- the, the early failure to not get touchdowns and points in the red zone and then come back and put up 44. I mean, that was electric. I, I think that kind of just even further illustrates, you know, why Bo Nix is Oregon's number one guy, uh, because this is going to sound a little weird, but like Bo Nix has thrown enough interceptions now to know how to shake, shake those <laughs> you know, off. That's a great point, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just like, all right, you know, first quarter, let's, let's, let's go. And uh, yeah. they, they really, uh, they really turned in the game. And, you know, I, I know it's a different coaching staff with Dickert there at, at Washington State, but like. Washington State has always given Oregon State's offensive lines just fits with just some of the stunts and twists and all that sort of stuff that they pull out there. And uh, 
for this group to be as good as it's been through four weeks, um, especially, and you know, like I, I, I hate keep going and comparing stuff like to the crystal ball era, especially now that, you know, kind of Miami's having a rough go of it so far, but you know, we just heard nonstop talk for the last four years about offensive line, about offensive line, about physicality and all that sort of stuff. And this offensive line is doing the same thing. And granted, it's a lot, this guy's crystal ball recruited, but, uh, it's just crazy that they're as effective or better than probably any of crystal balls, offensive lines at this point without, uh, it being like the main kind of center of, of this team's identity. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the running backs, Whittington especially, and um, Bucky Irving have been fantastic, like making dudes miss a lot, but also yeah. have great holes to get, like, head of speed. Uh, um, the thing is, like, they're doing the ground and pound, but they also have this really, really scary um, deep passing game now. And I think the Washington State game was probably the best example of that so far this season. Like, that's the game you look at if you're like, okay, like, is Oregon maybe the best offense in the conference? Because is, is that offensive line enough to put them over USC? I don't know. I think it's dumb to keep talking about this so early in the season. We can switch our answer every week, right? But you know, when you get guys like Troy Franklin streaking down the field and just breaking games open, um, and then you have all that underneath stuff as well. I mean, it's a really scary unit. And now they have kind of an easier stretch. They got Stanford, they got Arizona, um, a bye week, and I think UCLA. I think that's their next four weeks in some order. I mean, that should be three. No, call it how it is. But by the way, as uh, as punishment for me missing uh, football last weekend, I'll be doing the Stanford game this week, which is a is that an eight p.m. kickoff? I think. Yeah, I haven't decided if I want to come with you to that one. Um, I'm not like, against it, but I, I like, did just hear that it was 8 p.m. Yeah, and like I'm not, I don't expect it to be a good game. You know, Stanford's struggling. Um, Stanford's defense is so awful. Yeah, I, I think this should be, uh, you know, if, if Oregon's as, as good as they've looked the last few weeks, this should be a comfortable blowout for them. Uh, I did think this was the hardest week so far to do the power rankings. Um, because you and I have both had USC one for the first three weeks, I think. And then they, they didn't look great against Oregon state. And obviously some of that should be attributed to Oregon state. And I think it was a, a good matchup in the sense of like, it's, con uh, continuity versus kind of a, a thrown together team there. Um, I wasn't ready to drop them just because like they looked so good the first three weeks, but like. I, I darn near put Washington or Oregon up there. I, I mean, Washington, um, I, I think that's kind of the elephant in the room for uh, for Ducks fans right now is uh, Washington looks scary. And, and so I, I think just, you know, between Oregon, Utah, USC, and, and, and Washington, that's, that's four legitimate teams right there that are going to be competing for the Pac-12 crown. Um, and if you want to throw UCLA, the undefeated UCLA Bruins, who I know you're super high on, um, but they have, uh, how, how's this for the next three weeks? UCLA, UCLA has Utah, Washington at, or, or yeah, at Oregon for the next three weeks. So, uh, if, uh, if chip can happen to come out of that stretch undefeated, you might as well just start building the statue now, I guess. But I yeah, well, I was texting you last night. Like if you can win one of those games, you might want to build a statue. Like, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's like unanimously and three. I don't see any, any way they win. I don't think UCLA is good. Um, if, if they end up being good, I'll, you know, I'll take my medicine, whatever. The, the, but. the, the barometer is actually, you know how, like we keep saying that, like the uh, Oregon's first game blowout is just like Georgia might be really good. Like this one's yeah. the other way around of Colorado is just really, really bad. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you wrote about that um, today. So, 
Yeah, I mean, on, on our power rankings, you're you're, you know, I really think the Pac-12 is just at this point, like it feels like, I guess it's seven teams. I was going to say six, but I guess you have to consider UCLA. We both have it seven, but your top uh, three is is USC, Oregon, Washington, minus Oregon, Washington, USC. The reason I dumped USC down is because I'm really worried about their offensive line. And so they, they get four interceptions at a night and they don't turn the ball over, even though there was two dropped picks that Oregon State had. And it was, a, I think it was at least one, maybe two fumbles that they recovered from for their self, um, that they, they committed and then recovered for themselves. So they're now 14 to 0 in terms of turnover differential, which is, I think, number one in the nation. That's so rare. And there's no way it continues because it, like it statistically just doesn't happen. So <laughs> with that, with their offensive line looking a little shaky, um, I didn't think their defensive line looked amazing. I mean, they have some playmakers on defense. Don't get me wrong. Cause they, they keep getting these interceptions. Right. But I, I am worried because that was really the first good defense they played. And we don't know yet how good Oregon state is uh, on defense. Cause Fresno state looked them up like plain and simple. Um, but when you look back at the game's, uh, USC's played, they hadn't played anyone with a pulse on defense. And so if that's the first test and that's the first road test, if Stanford doesn't really count, which I don't think it does, I don't know. I'm, I, I just leave super kind of concerned about USC. And so I think, you know, Oregon, a team with an offensive firepower capabilities that are very similar um, and maybe, a, maybe a more stout defense in some ways, even though they're not getting the turnovers. I, I think Oregon right now is up there. And I mean, that's the point of power rankings. They change all the time. Uh, this, this definitely kind of feels like the thing where we both have Utah at number four now. Um, so this means the Utes are probably going to win the conference and do it. Uh, yep. uh, <laughs> like, like this, like, have we not learned yet? Like this is, you know, I, I think people are probably down because Florida hasn't quite looked, um, you know, maybe as expected after that first game, but, uh, I, I forget exactly what their score was this week, but like this, this Utes offense can put up points. And I, I think that's a pretty kind of scary proposition because you always know how how sound they're going to be defensively um i i love that they did away with the divisions thing too because i i think it's just gonna like this is going to be a really fun race for for the next couple months because i i don't really see a whole lot of drop off from from some of these teams up top yeah i mean it's gonna every every truly this year every game is gonna matter for those top however many teams and that's why it's so you know frustrating i think that oregon state couldn't pull that off because i think that loss like, yeah, they're still three and one. They're totally in the thick of things, but I just think it's going to come back to bite them because it was so winnable and they're going to need everyone they can get. And I don't know if they have the firepower when they play a Washington, when they play, you know, an Oregon. Um, I think a lot of people would like to see an Oregon USC title game. Yeah. I think I would as well. Um, but I would not be upset with any combination of these teams, really. I mean, even Washington State, like they, they lose against Oregon, but we haven't even talked about Cameron Ward, who... Yeah. I watched him play that Wisconsin game that they won, and I was like, okay, there's something there, but he was not good in that game. He was phenomenal against Oregon. <laughs> yeah, he he's I don't know, it's 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 he, he's he looks confident. He's got that kind of that poise to him. I, I a lot like, of like NFL bendy like sidearm yeah, throws, yeah, escaping the pocket. Yeah, a hundred percent. Boy, what else happened? In, or is there anything else in conference play that we we needed to touch on there? Um, oh, the, the one thing I did want is, is you and I were texting about this, but just seeing, uh, just seeing like angry Mario Cristobal press conference after, uh, 
after Miami's loss to your your muted youngin. They got they got absolutely washed. <laughs> yeah, that was. Um, a, yeah, that was a yeah, tough one. That was a tough one. I don't know. Like, I, I have a piece coming out later this week that's kind of looking into, like, um, you know, Oregon had so much continuity with its coordinators and staff throughout kind of the Bilotti and, and even the Chip era, and it's been kind of wholesale changes for the last decade. And uh, with rare exception, any coach who has voluntarily left Oregon for since – you know, over the last 10 years, it's, it hasn't really gone well. Although, I mean, you could look at Vegas right now and Marcus Arroyo actually has, has the rebels with the winning record, which might be the most shocking, shocking thing after the first couple of years, but it hasn't worked out for Cristobal so far. It's early, obviously. Uh, Scott Frost was fired a couple of weeks ago. Uh, who knows if it, it hasn't worked out that great for Chip Kelly. Um, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll, I'll have all more on that later in the week, but it's, uh, I think Oregon fans are, are looking at Dan Lanning and being like, we have a pretty good coach right now. Uh, maybe maybe look at the numbers before you take off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and the uh, the Mario Cristobal versus quarterback debate is, is alive and well after. Oh, my he God. Yeah. has seemingly, I mean, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, the, the Miami quarterback, coming the year was like pretty unanimously an NFL first rounder. And like, he does not look very good right now. So I don't know. It's- Interesting. It's so fun watching Oregon's offense now. <laughs> it really is. It's like such a big difference. And that's what we all, I mean, all of us heard it. We heard that Mario Cristobal kind of handcuffed his um, his offensive coordinators, that they got frustrated, that he didn't let them really do their thing. I mean, it's clearly showing that now. Um, one last thing. I, I just, I want to go back over this because he's he's been incredible so far. But Troy Franklin, who was a big-time recruit when he came to Oregon, you know, showed flashes at times last year, but Oregon's passing game was so inconsistent with Anthony Brown at quarterback. I mean, if this way he's if this is what he's doing with Bo Nix right now, um, Bo Nix has another year if he comes back next year, or if 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 Bo Nix isn't the quarterback next year, Dante Moore's coming in, and I, I just think that this is a, there's a really fun young nucleus to this offense right now, and uh, it could be a fun couple of years uh, for this group here. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I definitely missed on that Dante Thornton story in terms of his impact so far, but he's got time. time. He's got got time. time. But no, I mean, the point of us writing that story, or me writing that story, was that, like, yeah, it was like when was last time Oregon had a receiver that put up said numbers or did this? And it's Troy Brinkman now. That's the guy. (laughs) Like, I saw on Twitter, people were like, when was the last time an Oregon receiver did this? And it's like, yeah, it's been. It's been years. So he, he was explosive. I'm just loving the running backs. And then there's so many other guys there. Yeah. Well, uh, what's the best thing you, you ate this weekend? Oh, man. See, now that I'm back home or home, now that I'm settled back down in Eugene for a bit, I've been cooking again, which is good because I spent so much time this summer, so much time on the road in Atlanta. And even when I was home in Michigan eating out that sometimes it's nice to just have the time you know throw some jazz on cook up some some chicken or something throw something together throw i mean some jazz on. <laughs> no, no no it's a good little vibe you know uh, all right well thanks for listening to the traffic report everyone uh again i gotta look at oregon's where oregon coaches who have left eugene have ended up pastures aren't always greener and then also towards the end of this week shane you don't know about this yet but you'll enjoy it uh we have a sat since it's a 8 p.m kickoff we have a guide to a perfect game day cookout coming later in this week so mm, uh there,
Any last thoughts, Shane? Not too much. I'm I'm enjoying writing right now. I'm enjoying the Pac-12. I don't know what I'm going to write this week, but I have to come up with something. Hopefully, I can stay with a hot streak after the Oregon State preview and do something that actually kind of uh, revolves around what might happen in the game. We'll see. But I don't know. Stanford game screams 45 to 21 to me, so we'll see. I don't think Stanford's going to 21 points. So. Yeah, 45-14, maybe 17. We'll see. Five, five, four.